Jesus is enough. He's still enough. He'll always be enough. Welcome to Grace Walk Radio. I'm your host, Eric Lewandowski, and I'm here with my co-host, Caleb Berg. And, and Caleb, I'm going to need an explanation, okay? I'm going to need an explanation. Yes, that is my real name. Uh, got that. Oh. What is going on with this hat? Okay, I know you're a Twins fan and a Vikings fan and a, and a Liverpool fan. And is this a Phillies hat? What's going on here? So, things happened. No. <laughs> You had a falling out with what, the Twins? What if that's just my explanation for the everything? The Twins are like, they're like JV, Ma- Major League yeah. Baseball, right? Uh, so the Phil- Yes, they are. Uh, Philadelphia Phillies hat, uh, the way this came about is a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours, Mr. Jesse Sprinkle. Uh, he ordered a hat, a Phillies hat. He just okay. loves baseball. Yeah. Like, and his love for baseball is a bit contagious. Like, I've always loved baseball. I've always been a Twins fan. But it's like being around him and talking to him about baseball, I just start to love baseball again. Like, I'm back to being that 12-year-old boy playing baseball. He's got, like, that Facebook page, too. He posts it yeah. all the time. Like, If you're a baseball fan, it's always got stuff. What it's called. Uh, it's, yeah, and, it's and just a, so you, I mean, this guy's, this guy's, like, a very accomplished... Recording artist, uh, record producer. Uh, yeah, but his, his love for baseball. Uh, so he ordered a Phillies hat, and it came in. The box was mangled. Um, all this stuff, and so he he hadn't even opened up the box. He just immediately got on customer support and was like, "Hey, hat came in. It's all mangled. Like you know, the box is ripped to shreds." And they didn't even ask him to like check the the hat. They just were like, "Yeah, we'll ship you another one." So he got a second one. So he gave me the spare, and uh, yeah. So that's the story of the Phillies hat. Uh, but lo and behold, we actually here at Grace Life have a couple uh, Phillies supporters. Um, Tom and Josiah McArdle. Wait, they're Phillies fans. They're Phillies fans. So I did not Tom know grew that. up being a Phillies fan, okay. and uh, so yeah, a um, couple Phillies fans. All right. Uh, yeah. So I I am not necessarily a Phillies fan. I don't dislike the Phillies. They're in the National League. My team is in the American League. It's not likely they're ever going to play each other in the World Series. So because I mean the Twins aren't going to get there anytime soon. Uh, but yeah. So every now and then I'll sport the Phillies hat. Yeah. I mean, you see those news reports about like. There's an asteroid, you know, like in our atmosphere, but the the chances it hits the Earth are like one in seventeen point three billion. Like I, I literally do think, and I'm not trying to insult your team. I think the likelihood that that happens is far more likely than the Twins get into the World Series anytime within the next century. Yeah, I mean, or any team from Minnesota winning anything. So, uh, if you want to know sadness, be from Minnesota. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, right. it's sad. It's a sad existence. <laughs> but it teaches you loyalty and faithfulness. This is true, and God is good. All right. Thanks for that, Caleb, and uh, welcome to the program. All who are listening, thank you to all those who uh, are encouraged. Uh, encourage us that you are encouraged by the program. Uh, leave a review, uh, positive review, if you if you don't mind. Uh, <laughs> On, on, Any old uh, review, on, uh, you know, anywhere you hear our podcast, that that helps us, you know, climb the uh, climb the the rankings or whatever they have their algorithms, so that you know more people yep. will see it and more people will hear the gospel through this program. We are continuing our series on Galatians six. Man, last show we just before we even hit this text, we went off on making sure we had gospel centered le- gospel centered glasses, gospel centered lens on when we look at texts about commands mm-hmm. and imperatives and good work. So 
if, if you didn't hear that show, go back and hear that. I think it'll encourage yeah. you because I think it's important to understand the backdrop on which all the commands of Scripture are taught and really the, the place for the law in a gospel-thinking person uh, in light of uh, a text like this today. So that said, here we are. We're in Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 5. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. You know, right away, Caleb, I see this text doing what gospel texts often do, and that is hearken our mind and our ear back to the gospel to remember how we've been loved and how we've been forgiven. Let the humility of that sort of press on your heart um, and let, first of all, the, the, the weight of the law in the sense that you've broken it and you've You've failed too, so don't be haughty. Don't be high on yourself. Remember that you were a lawbreaker as well and that the only way you were saved was through mercy and grace. It sort of brings your thinking back to that. And then, and then it's almost like, okay, with the gospel in mind, move forward, which is a very typical thing that the apostles do. You know, Forgive one another as you have been forgiven. Mm-hmm. Love one another, Jesus said, as I have loved you. So this is a very common gospel thing. You know, to to remember the gospel in order to move forward yeah. in the works of the gospel. Yeah, I, and I think so. The gospel applies. I'm trying trying to is going to be broad and then narrow. I hope um, the gospel is so intrinsically connected to justification, and we it seems like that that is somewhat accepted in most places. You know, Jesus saves, um, but it's also intrinsically connected to our sanctification. You cannot separate that as now it's a work you do. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I got saved, justified. That was work I do. Sanctification is a work that, or you know, Jesus did that. I do this. It's not. It's a work of God. It's a work of His Spirit. And I, I think that that is really what is uh, what Paul is getting at as the fruit of the Spirit. It is our the fruit of the Spirit is sanctification. It's the outgrowth of you know, mm-hmm. and something I've heard developed over the last year uh, a lot by the Theocast guys and and other places as well, sermons that I heard you preach, sermons uh, that I've heard from other guys, is that the fruit of the Spirit is about loving God and loving people. Mm -hmm. So if you look at how Paul connects those dots between Galatians 5, um, you really see that what he's saying in Galatians 6 about restoring one another, loving one another, is really born out of the, the Spirit's work. It's born out of our sanctification. It's almost like he's elaborating yeah. on the fruit of the Spirit and what that looks like. It's like he's putting muscle on the bones. Right. You know? So he, he ends chapter 5 um, after he says what the fruit of the Spirit is. Uh, you know, against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. 
immediately into brothers if anyone is caught in any transgression you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted so you you immediately see like this is really tied together Galatians 5, Paul's ending with, this is the work of the Spirit. Don't become conceited. Um, you know, don't, uh, you know, the, he almost, you know, he's like almost saying like, this isn't you alone. This isn't, your, your, your walk of faith is not you alone, isolated on an island, self-checking, you know, always um, progress checking. You know, oh, am I better than I was last week? Am I better than I was two weeks ago? He's actually saying, okay, the Spirit has saved you by grace, and it's changing you on the inside, there's an outside expression of that, and it's you loving God and loving people. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, don't provoke anybody. Rather, if you see someone who is caught by sin, um, I know most of our translations say caught in, should actually be translated caught by sin. So, if you are caught by sin, uh, go pick them up. Go restore them. Preach the gospel to them. That's that's living um, in a community. It's not living in isolation. Mm-hmm. You, you can't really do this in isolation. And I think one of the balancing factors, like you're talking about, um, as far as the gospel shows us humility because we recognize that God saved us. We didn't deserve it. We had done nothing except add the sin that ne- made it necessary. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you've been shown that amount of love, and it's really gotten a hold of your heart, that's what you yearn to do with others. And I think that's a mark of growth in grace is your heart looks at others who are caught uh, by sin or or transgressions, and and your heart says, how can I jump in and pick this brother or sister Mm -hmm. up? Yeah, and that phrase, restore him in a spirit of gentleness, man, if that doesn't describe the the heart of those who lead God's people, the heart of the gospel-centered minister and how we ought to lead others in the body. And that's different than the world, you know? Yeah. The world um, <clears throat> leads in a way where it's, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the results out of you uh, that I want and that I need, or you're out. Hmm. Um, or, I, or I cut you off. Or I, I sort of shout my way. Uh, into you know your compliance and your obedience, and uh, you know many uh, parents or employers or uh, any you know coaches they'll lead with a culture of fear, and you do get results, you do get compliance, but you don't get the heart and you don't get transformation. And so Jesus said, "I'm I'm gentle and lowly in heart." Yeah. Think about that. The God of the universe describes His heart mm. as gentle and lowly. That is such a contrast to the way that – I mean, how arrogant are we to think that we could or should lead differently? I got so, – I, I, I hardly ever block anybody on social media, but I, I, had, to, I had to say bye-bye to somebody recently because all, all I did was post about how Christian leaders should be leading with love and a spirit of gentleness. And um, you know, some, some person reposted and said, well – I was, you know, a soldier in the armed forces and, you know, my drill sergeant shouted at me and, and yelled at me and, and that saved my life on the front lines. This is what's wrong with American Christian leadership, that it's weak and it's, you know, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, you, so play that out. What are you saying there? You're saying that you literally want your leaders, your Christian leaders, your group leaders, your youth pastor, your elders and pastors to lead with 
with anger, to lead with fear, mm. to lead with uh, harshness, to lead with um, coercion. That's what that is. Yeah. That that when that is not even how Christ Himself led yeah. His disciples and led us. That that it, that is so far from the gospel universe that I think the apostles lived in and that we are called to live in. I didn't even know how to respond to it. It was so yeah. it was so out there. But the spirit of gentleness, like that's and listen, I, I'm not natural, naturally gentle. I'm not. I, I'm a guy yeah. who, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a wrestler. I'm a wrestling coach. I mean, I to this day, I, I coach wrestling. I mean, I, I love legal fighting. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I like watching me some MMA. You know, I mean, like that, that I'm like the fight guy. Yeah. But as, as I've gotten older, I've realized, oh, there, there's, there's places to have controversy and battles in the, in the, in the kingdom, but it's over it's over the, the truth. It's over the gospel. It's over yeah. what justification by faith means. It's not over issues that would harm people or hurt people. But when you're, you're discipling and when you're restoring a person, it needs to be with the spirit of gentleness. And, and one of the uh, illustrations you've probably heard me use, you know, as I've taught at Grace Life and, and now, you know, in the new church context, I'm, I'm going to be in, in Clarksville. Think about the difference between renovation and restoration. And if you're going to renovate a building, we renovated this space we're sitting in right now. I was, you know, years ago, what, five, six, seven, 2015, six, seven years ago, yeah. when we came in here and renovated, man, we had sledgehammers and axes and we're chopping walls down. There was a porn room in the back. This used to be a video store. Yeah. We, we, I remember we're like, three, two, one, three guys with sledgehammers <laughs> just blasted it out. We were renovating. We weren't restoring. Yeah. We were renovating. And so there was this smashing effect. But this talks about restoration. If you're going to restore an old car, an old house, and there's this old molding that was like really customized mm-hmm. and done well, you're going to very carefully take it off the wall, yeah. set it aside. You're going to treat it with very great care. But why? Because you're going to want to put it back on. Mm-hmm. So if someone is caught in a sin, if someone is caught in failure, remember the mercy and grace Jesus showed us and the gentleness he showed us. We show that to um, others in the same way, and, and we... We approach them with gentleness because why? Because we want to restore them. We want to put them back on their feet. We want to put them back, you know, in ministry. We want to put them back in that position uh, where they can in- influence others. We want to put them, in a sense, back on display. But if you just wreck them and smash them, that is inconsistent with the spirit of Christ and the spirit of love. Well, and on top of it, we're doing something that Christ Himself has not done. Christ has not dealt with us that harshly, and we we who. Uh, have experienced the love and grace of God. How dare, how dare we withhold that mm-hmm. from others? You know, and as we've been often encouraged by a brother in Christ, Tom, uh, let's proclaim the forgiveness of sins. You know, mm-hmm. like how beautiful mm-hmm. an opportunity is it for the one who has fallen um, and, you know, is, is believing in what Christ has done for us to go to them and say, hey, your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Like, let's pick you up. Mm-hmm. Like, in the context of brotherly fellowship or or sisterly fellowship, you know, um, let's pick these people up. And and I mean that displays the grace of God. That displays the love of God when we're willing uh, to to bear one another's burdens, to lift one another up. You know, in a visual sense, like bearing somebody's burden means for me to pick that up off of you, it's going to be a little bit of a weight on me mm-hmm. for a season. You know, like I might have to carry you a little while, you know, but, um, 
the love of Christ is what is compelling me to do that, to get underneath, to come alongside. And, and I'm thinking of like, you know, we've all seen visuals of an athlete who maybe suffered a, a broken leg or something on the field. And you mm-hmm. see other players come alongside and, and kind of bear the weight of that mm-hmm. player so that they can hobble off the field. Um, like that's what we're talking here. Like I'm going to come alongside you and carry you uh, when you can't, you know, I'm, uh, <laughs> I've been recently accused of this, uh, but I'm in good company because you've been accused of this as well, um, of using Lord of the Rings analogies far too often. <laughs> um, I, I I love the scene in the Lord of the Rings movies, uh, Return of the King, when Sam says, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. Right. And he picks up Frodo and he marches up Mount Doom. Like, that's just beautiful. Right. Like, that's what we're being called to here. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting uh, because... You know, as I've discussed Galatians 6, 2, before, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, I've spoken that as in practical service. You know, if somebody has a financial burden, you take a little bit on you, right? That means you're bearing part of their burden with you. It's going to hurt you a little bit. If somebody's in some crisis, you come alongside. Um, But really, in context, it just kind of struck me, this really, in context, is talking about bearing the burden of a brother who's failed. Hmm. And so think about that. You know, it... It literally means you're not going to avoid them. Yeah. Um, you're, you're going to lean in and bear some of the pain of helping them work through this conflict that they have in their lives, yeah. this failure that they have in their lives. They might not, they might not believe that they can be forgiven for a while. You, you might have to take some of the emotional burden mm-hmm. of helping that person through the failure. Um, it might be uncomfortable for you, man. I don't. And he, this guy, whatever he. Uh, he had an affair on his wife. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know what to say to this guy. I had him, you know, just let him go. He's just going to walk away from the church. He's just going to walk. So it'd be easier for me just to say nothing. And, and what does it mean to bear one another's burdens in that situation? It means maybe you go and speak the truth in love. Maybe you go and you walk with this brother and care enough about this brother to confront him in love and call him back to his marriage, call him back to um, repentance and, and in that way, bear a burden. You know, it's going to be hard for you to be that guy that has that conversation. It's going to be hard for you to, to be involved in that situation. But that fulfills the law of Christ. And, yeah. and, and so maybe let's, let's just finish talking about this phrase, the law of Christ. Um, we, we talked a lot last program about how we're not under law. And yet Christ has a law. Jesus said in, in the book of John, a new command I give you, that you love one another. He said that the entire law and prophets are summarized in the command to love God. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself, that you could literally summarize the entire law in that one command. And so what is Christ's law? Christ's law is to love. And you will find that as you fulfill the command to love others, you will accidentally fulfill the holy standards of God's law uh, that Christ fulfilled in his flesh on the cross. And so when it comes down to it, the question the Christian must ask when we are engaged in different situations is, what is the most loving thing to do in this situation? That's our law. How can I love this person um, to my discomfort? How can I love this person and bear the, bear the burden, uh, whether it's financially, you know, uh, whether it's just time, giving time to them, hospitality, uh, or the emotional burden that, that comes when you get involved in a, in a conflict or a situation with the person. Um, how can I love this person? That is the law of the Christian. 
And um, that is the law we are under. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, I was just kind of pondering this as you were saying it. What was the purpose of the letter to the Galatians? He, he's writing to a church that has returned to the law, to, to the old covenant. And so put yourself kind of in their shoes for a moment, you know, what you're hearing from Paul. It's a reminder of the gospel. It's a reminder of all these wonderful truths uh, accomplished for us by Christ. And then there's these practical applications of the gospel, uh, the law of Christ, you know, fulfilling that. If you were one who had traded the gospel for the law, Paul is saying, there's something better out there for you. Like, the old covenant, with all its rituals and routines, were to show you that you couldn't keep it. It was such a high mark. You couldn't keep it. But Christ did. Christ has called you to love one another. He's working that in you. He's at work in your in your heart through the Holy Spirit, working in you to love God and to love people. Mm. And so, fulfill it. Mm. Do it. Yeah. Go walk in that. Like, you know... <laughs> That what he's getting at to these people who have struggled returning to the old ways of law keeping, uh, he's just reminding them there's something better out there for you. It's Christ, mm-hmm. his yoke is easy, mm-hmm. his burden is light. Fulfill the law of Christ, love one another. Just don't be worried about circumcision and you know how much to, to work and how little to work. Just love one another. Yeah, and, and let me clarify something I said a second ago. When I said that's the law we're under, I don't mean we're under it in a way where it is, it is our righteousness. Christ is our righteousness, yeah. right? Our faith in him, that's our righteousness. What I mean by that when I say that is that that is the, the guiding principle of the Christian, yeah. right? That is, that is where we, we seek wisdom and guidance and direction in life and in the church. That is the culture of the Christian. We're not a culture of... Uh, Old Testament law, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, um, that type of a yeah. you know justice-driven um, culture. We're a mercy-driven culture. Mm. We're a grace-driven culture. And so the law of love says that that, that is where we go to to seek for wisdom. Yeah. That's where we go to seek how to walk out a situation, how to deal with a person who's caught in sin, how to uh, approach one another when someone is in crisis, how to build relationships in the body, how we speak to one another. We're under the law of love. That is where we seek wisdom and guidance. That is the, the uh, principle, the command that shapes our hearts and the motives of our hearts as we approach one another. And when we do that, we build, you know, what they call it Emmanuel, where I attend church right now in Nashville. That's, that's what we call a gospel culture. Yeah. It's a culture built around that idea, and, and that begins to play out in the practical. So it, you connect your beliefs. If you believe that we're saved by grace through faith, you connect that to your practice, and you build a gospel culture, a culture of mercy around that. And it, it's absolutely wonderful, and it's restful. Hmm. It's restful. Yeah. Um, because no longer are you coming together, and do people walk out of the services going, all right, I guess i got to be a really, 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 really great, strong Christian. No, we walk, we walk out of our services talking about how wonderful Jesus is. Yeah. And, and how, can I, how can I love others as he loved me, as I feel loved right now? That's a big difference. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. At, to experience rest in a culture like outside of the church that's already so demanding. I mean, I, I can't 
I can't breathe in that culture. You know, that's so demanding of you got to be perfect or you're canceled. You're out. You're right. done. You know, and then in the church world, it's just as exacting. You know, like you better be this, do that. And here's seven principles to make you do it. Right. Um, if you haven't done it, then you don't have, uh, you know, whatever inside of you. You don't have enough gumption or power inside of you. And if you were really a child of God, you would. So you better man up. You know, like that is it's it's killing people. Mm-hmm. And, and to experience the opposite in a church that has gospel motivation, gospel preaching, and gospel culture, it's it's just restful. Well, cancel breathe. culture is playing God. Yeah, it it, it basically says that you know I, I get to you come before my judgment seat, and uh, you you know have failed, and you're 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 uh, sentenced to death in my court, and therefore I damn you yeah. out, of, out of my universe, out of my social networking universe, out of uh, American society. And it's, you know, it, it, is it shocking, you know, that people are doing what Joseph said he was terrified to do? Mm. And that is when he said, am I in the place of God? And yet we have an entire culture of, you know, one-man cults, one-woman cults who have exalted themselves to the place of God where they feel right to damn people out of their universe. It's pathetic. And, and you're right, the gospel... And, and churches should have a radically different uh, aroma, a radically mm-hmm. different culture where people can come in and they can escape that performanceism, that um, eggshell, you know, uh, you got you to gotta sort of play along kind of uh, culture that we live in or, or you're damned and uh, people can just rest yeah. and they can be broken and they can be not okay. And, uh, and, and yet grace heals them. Here's the gospel cancel culture that is out there. This is, this is gospel cancel culture. Colossians 2, 13. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Amen. That's, that's cancel culture for the believer. Yep. Jesus canceled all the curse that you were under, the curse to sin, the curse to the law. He took the record of debt that stood against you, the marks that stood against you of how far you had fallen, which the world would have looked at you and maybe said, see, that's why you're canceled, mm-hmm. and he canceled the cancel. Amen. And that's why we say, thanks for listening today, and Jesus is enough. God bless you. Christ is enough.